1: Ben Nempton is the New York Times bestselling author of What Do You Want to Do Before You Die? And he's a star of Buried Life. That's MTV's highest rated show on iTunes and Amazon. He has the message of radical possibility that encourages people to achieve their dreams and make the impossible possible. In some way, shape, or form, he makes daunting tasks less scary by turning dreams into projects and creating inspiration through action. He's been featured on the Today Show, CNN, Fox, and NBC News. Even Oprah likes Ben and calls his mission truly inspiring. He's played basketball with President Obama, had a beer with Prince Harry. And if you've ever thought about making a bucket list, you need to listen to Ben. Ben. He is the master of checking those items off your list. So here we go. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. But let's just dive in, Ben, and, and, and again, obviously, you know, you've know, you got this kind of just an amazing story uh have they turned it by the way into a movie yet i guess you, you do your own <laughs> i'm show. working on it i'm working on it yeah it that's feels one like of the it should be on, also a movie
2: well one of the things on the list so we crossed off 96 of 100 bucket list items and, and one of the ones left is uh is make a movie so we started buried life to make a film and it started to grow into this whole other thing and so we still would like to finish the film and that's one of the remaining list items
1: well, let's then start. You've got this incredible life journey that started in college when you had anxiety and you had depression. And then tell us what happened about that and tell us the story. Mm-hmm. And by the way, let me, let me ask you this. Did you battle with anxiety, depression as a, as a little kid or did it kind of hit you because college kind of hit you over the head and there was something happened? Let's, yeah. let's hear that.
2: Yeah, so I experienced my first feelings of anxiety when I was in my first, Freshman year at university, I never experienced anything like it. I was a very happy-go-lucky guy. I, you know, on paper everything was really looking great. You know, I had a, um, a academic scholarship. I was on the um, the national under nineteen rugby team. You know, and, and rugby in, in in my part of Canada was, is huge, right? It was sort of where the national team trained, and I always say it's the third biggest sport behind hockey and hockey. So it was always big deal. Um, and uh, I, but I put a lot of pressure on myself always. I don't, I don't really know why my parents didn't put a lot of pressure on myself, but I just did. And so we, we had, we were training for the world cup, which was in Paris, France. And I would practice my field goals every day. I played fly half. That's like the quarterback and field goal kicker in one. So it was a lot of pressure. I put a lot of pressure on myself and I was, I started thinking like, what if I blow it and miss a k- easy kick at the world cup? Like, what if I miss a kick right from the goalposts and and just totally ruin this once a lifetime opportunity, right? At that this is your shot basically is is is, is where I've come from. So um And this is age 19. This is age 19. Yeah, age 1920. Yeah. And um and so I would think about this at night and it would cause me to lose lose sleep. So this this anxiety would cause me to have trouble sleeping. I I had missed a kick in university at the end of the high school championship game that that could have won us the game so i was like that can't happen again you know mm. and so I, I think about this at night I, I started to lose sleep this constant pressure that i put on myself this anxiety this loss of sleep it all contributed to me sliding into a depression and it was slow and it was gradual but it was debilitating to the point where i couldn't go to school i couldn't go to rugby practice so i got i got dropped from the team i, I got i dropped out of school eventually to the point where i couldn't Really, even leave the house, my parents' house. So, I was a shut in in my parents' house, and I was just almost forced by my parents to go for a 15 minute walk every day to get outside and, and get some fresh air and leave the house. Wow. And sometimes I would just. So,
1: you go from being like an elite athlete mm-hmm. to being in the house for how long
2: did that last? A couple months. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't until my friends came at the end of the semester that I had already dropped out of, and they kind of pulled me out of the house, rallied me and and dragged me out of the house to come work with them in a new town for the summer. And and then I slowly started to come out of these feelings. So I, and and there's a lot of things that contributed that we can talk about, but I got a job. So I started, I was forced to do things for myself. So I started to feel a sense of self-worth. I was starting to talk about what I was going through. And I realized that my friends had experienced something like this or they were going through something similar. Like I wasn't alone, which at that point, I just thought I was totally crazy. Right. I I thought I was messed up. And I and I started to understand that I wasn't the only one. And I took comfort in that fact. And now I know, of course, like (laughs) this is the human experience. Like Everyone will go through some sort of mental health crisis in their life. And I think this is a particularly important conversation right now because more people than ever are struggling, especially young people going through high school, college right now. It's hard enough to go through high school and college in any time. Layer on the pandemic, layer on social media. I have so many parents coming up and talk to me after my keynote saying my son, my daughter, dropped out of school, high level athlete, and now can't leave the house. So. I'm my story is not a, an original story, unfortunately, and, and it's it's happening now more than ever. So it's a very important conversation. And, and And the good thing about this is that as I went through this and anytime I go through any type of struggle, I learn things about myself and I start to understand myself better. I also build empathy for other people. So I really believe that these things that we think are our weaknesses can actually turn into our strengths when we stop trying to hide them all the time and actually embrace them. And embrace that this is who I am and start to talk about them. Because the one thing you you, you don't want to do is, is just try and solve this problem on your own. You know, I, I really believe that you need to share it with a professional, like a psychiatrist or a, a therapist or a, a loved one. So, you know, side note from the story, but it's an important side note, I think, because there are so many people, unfortunately, that are going through it right now
1: it's almost everybody. I mean, I don't know if I've, I've thought of it that way. I always think of the, There's this really high percentage of people that do have anxiety, depression. It's, it's, it's very, very common, but to your point, it, it's almost uncommon for you not to have some of that. It's almost like most people, like 80, 90% of people do go through either some period in their life where they really do experience it. I don't know if I've heard it in that context. It's like, the vast majority of people have something like this in their life.
2: Yeah. And I believe that's what the research tells us is that everyone will go through some sort of mental health crisis in their life. And it's not necessarily oh. f- due to a mental illness, it could be a divorce, it could be bereavement because a loved one passed away, you know, stress from life, you know. So this is the, hu- this, this, this happens to human beings. We have ups and we have downs, and that's okay. What's not okay is just to not talk about it. And, I think that the idea of being true to yourself um, is 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 really important. And it's, everything feels like it pulls you away from that. And and I think there's two sides of being true to yourself. There's being true to yourself and not hiding those things that, that you're struggling with. But it's also being true to yourself and doing the things that are important to you, that you love, that you're passionate about. And that's my definition of a bucket list is those things that are going to bring you joy and happiness and fulfillment that 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 only you know what those are. And in a world where most people live for what they think they should do or what other people want for them, we need a reminder of the things that are important to us because it's so easy to get pulled away from that. And this is this is what this whole project is based on, a poem that articulated this same feeling, but it was written in 1852. So again, this is not a new idea. This is the human condition, the day-to-day berries. The things that we truly want to do. And that's why we continually tend to push these bucket list items, these passions, these personal goals. And we we don't realize that we don't actually have as much time as we think. And these are the biggest regrets that we have at the end of our life is not doing those things. And so this is all stuff we didn't realize as college kids. We were just, you know, I was coming out of this this depression and I thought when I was away at at, at this new uh, in this new town, I started to meet young kids that were inspiring. So I met these kids that had started their own businesses. I right ran right out of high school. I never met kids like that. They had already traveled around the world. I never met wait, kids wait, like but that. Was
1: this, up in, was this in Canada or where were you? Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah, so this is in, I grew up in Victoria, British Columbia, and I went to work in Banff, Alberta. And so oh, beautiful. the summer away, I started to meet these interesting people. I started to realize that they gave me energy. And, and that some people drew energy from me and some people gave energy to me. And so I was inspired by these kids. And I thought after that summer away, I was starting to feel back to myself. I thought, okay, I'm going to try and only surround myself with people that inspire me, just like those kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, at the, and I didn't know it, but that was the one decision that changed my life forever was being intentional about the people I surrounded myself and trying to seek out kids that gave me energy, that inspired me. And that supported me to be the truest version of myself and so that's why i reached out to this kid that i knew a little bit but not very well when i got back home and he was a filmmaker his name was johnny and i I reached out to him i said hey johnny you make movies i've always wanted to make a movie let's make a movie and that's how the buried life started was really from this decision to surround myself with people that were going to inspire me and so that was the birth of, 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 the buried life.
1: So your friends pull you out of your place, yeah. your house, you go to BAMP for the summer. You realize that certain people give you this huge amount of energy, this inspiration, you go back and you say, all right, let's do, let's essentially go do a big road trip. And this is then the buried life. Is that correct? And and did you yeah. have money? And the, tell me about so, like the, the money and the financing and the idea.
2: Yeah. So we, so initially we didn't know what the, film was going to be about, or the, the, the road trip. It was like, let's make a movie. And okay. we're trying to figure out what this is about, but we realized we have something in common, which is like, we all have all of these things that we'd always wanted to do, these dreams, but we've never even tried to go after any of them, ever. Why, like what, you know? And so then serendipitously, Johnny's at university gets assigned this poem, The Buried Life, as homework. He reads the poem. And he's like, holy crap, this poem is talking about the same thing that we're talking about. That we have all these things that we want to do, but we haven't done them because they're buried. And we have these moments when we're inspired to go after those things, but life gets in the way, right? We that we push them. And so we thought, okay, we're not the first people on earth to feel like this <laughs> if this poem was written in 1852. 1852, yeah. <laughs> so let's 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 take this name for our f- film, The Buried Life. And so the next step was, okay, how do we unbury our dreams? And for us, the way that we did that was death, thinking about our death. Because for us, the thought of dying was the only thing that put things in perspective. And and when we confronted that, we realized what was truly important. And so we would ask ourselves this question, what do you wanna do before you die? And so that became the thing that we would end up asking the world, as many people as possible because we thought, okay, our answer to that question, well, that's our bucket list. Those are the things we wanna do before I die. And so the list grew out of this question. And we thought, okay, we're gonna hit the road for a two-week road trip to tackle our bucket list, but we'll also ask strangers the question, what do you wanna do before you die? And if we can help them do that thing, then we will. So we'll cross things off our list, we'll help other people, we'll make a movie about it, we're hit, we'll hit the road for two weeks in 2006, and we'll be done. Okay, so this was 2006. So so you thought you would do this all within two weeks. Yeah, we'd be like, we're done. We'll, we'll show it to our buddies in the neighborhood. It'll be fun. Uh, we'll post it on Facebook. This is early days Facebook. Yeah, and so, early Facebook days. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And hold on. Did you make the list first and then go? Tell me about the initial list.
2: Oh, it's great. I actually have it right here because my new book is called The Bucket list Journal, and I have the list in here. It's like, this is where you track all your goals and stay accountable to them. Um, So things like, you know, big things like make a TV show, pay off our parents' mortgage, sit with Oprah, write a New York Times bestseller, play basketball with President Obama, but also things like grow a mustache, pay for someone's groceries, um, you know, tell a judge you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So like it was So the, first of all, you gotta get into court to
2: do that. Exactly. You gotta get arrested in order to do that. <laughs> exactly. It, that's and that's why we that's one of the four we haven't done yet. <laughs> oh, okay. So, well you can yeah, I we have you can arrested be a, though, but not we haven't pulled that one out yet. We, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but yeah, so we wrote this list and now we're like, okay, we gotta how we, we didn't have any money. So we started throwing parties as fundraisers. We would cold call companies out of the phone book looking for sponsorship. The community came together to give us stuff to give away. We board an RV. We made a website with our 100 dreams and a contact page. We bought a camera on eBay and we hit the road. Okay, so we hit the road. But what happened that was unexpected was as soon as we start to travel, the news started to pick up the story of these four friends going after their list. And people started to hear about it. And emails started to come in through our website. And they'd say, hey, I saw your list on your website. Number eight is ride a bull. My uncle has a bull ranch. He can get you on a bull. Or, you know, I saw, tell a judge you want the truth. You can't handle the truth. My friend's a judge. Maybe he'll let you do it, (laughs) you know? So, And then people started sending us their dreams, asking for our help. So we started to get inundated with all these emails. I want you guys to cross... All the things off your list. Let me know how I can help. Here's my dream. How can you guys help? And it was, you know, national news, and all of a sudden, we're like, wow, we this we got to keep doing this. You know, we came back from that two week road trip. We had helped all these people. We had these amazing experiences, and I was starting to feel this sense of purpose. And so I, we thought, okay, let's let's go back to school and let's do this again next summer. But instead of a two week road trip, let's go for two months. And let's go to the U.S. across the border and let's buy an old purple transit bus and let's uh, live in it for two months and let's help more people. Let's go after bigger list items. And so we did it again. And so cut (laughs) two. 10 years later, we were still doing it. So this two week road trip ended up lasting, you know, over 10 years. And, And the list items that we initially wrote that were, you know, when we wrote the list, we had two rules. You had to pretend you had 10 million bucks and you had to pretend that you could do anything. So the list items were were, were quite crazy. So wait, say that again. So when you when we wrote the list, you had to pretend you had ten million dollars in your bank account, and you also had to pretend that you had the ability to do anything.
1: Okay, so ten million dollars, and you could say unlimited, it's totally totally
2: unlimited. Okay. Yeah, you had the funds, you had the means, you could you had the ability. So no, the point was no limits, and that's why go to space is on the list. That's why, you know cover of Rolling Stone, these these wild things that we never play basketball with Obama. That was for us the hardest thing we could think of doing is for Canadians living on an island, uh, you know, and cut to years later, you know, these bigger list items, they slowly start to fall off the list. So play basketball with Obama, write a New York Times bestseller, have a beer with Prince Harry, sit with Oprah. These list items that I was 100% convinced would never happen. All happened. They eventually started to come off list.
0: Hey, y'all, it's Mallory Boggs, the producer for the Retire Sooner podcast. From an investment standpoint, the world is changing. We've gone from no inflation to hyperinflation, zero interest rates to much higher interest rates. All of this changes the dynamics for stocks and bonds. So the question for you, are your retirement accounts ready for it? Have you adapted your investments for these major shifts? Do you know what kind of income your 401k account is going to pay you in retirement? If not, maybe it's time for a new perspective. The Retire Sooner team is here to help. If you're ready to talk, reach out to our team and we'll help you take a closer look at how you can generate income in retirement and protect yourself from inflation. We'd love to hear from you. Again, find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S dot com.
1: How did some of these things come together? Like the Prince Harry. How did that one happen? That seems a, that seems impossible. Yeah. So Pri- isn't he like protected by an entire fortress of like a you know? It's I think it sounds easier to get to Obama than Prince Harry to have a beer with the guy. Yeah. It's not so- like he's
2: sitting at a pub. No. No. Well, he's not. But I, this is how these things go. Ironically, President Obama was a thousand times harder than than Prince Harry. And Prince Ooh. Harry, we got very lucky. It was the right time where we were sharing our list with someone. And they said, I have a friend in in London that is friends with him. I'll ask him, you know, what he thinks. And his friend said, listen, if you write a letter, I'll submit it to his office. And so we wrote a letter, explained that we're going to be in London. This is what we were doing. And this is why. And he agreed. And we met him in a secret little pub basement and had beer. And then we had dinner with him and hung out with him for the evening. And so that actually... (laughs) You know, sometimes these things are not as difficult as you might think.
1: That one was easy, yeah. Yeah. And president Obama <laughs> well, not took that like th- three years to, to Yeah, do. how did the Obama thing end up happening? Did he read your work? I mean, he, did well, he read
2: about you guys? We, long story short, we just drove to D.C. and and tried to meet with as many politicians as we could. Anyone we could. We told <laughs> them our story. We said, we're trying to play basketball with the president to prove that anyone can do anything. Can you put in a good word? We, we got all the way up to the secretary of transportation. He put in the call to the White House. Uh, we got an official no, but we'd learned about these secret basketball games that happened and, and this, the personal aid of the president set up these games. And so we could try to contact him. We finally did. He said, I think I can make this happen. The press team said, no, then we, as a consolation prize, got invited for a tour at the White House and we were on the White House basketball courts and the president surprised us on the courts. And walked on and we were oh, totally blown away cool. we didn't even okay. think he was in town and so you know we, we 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 got about a thousand no's before that happened but you know we started to learn that in you know, this like one um the power of of persistence you know i think we all obviously know the power of persistence we hear about it a lot but i think the thing that's interesting is to think about that you actually don't know what you're possible. Well, like you don't know what's possible until you're doing it. So sometimes you can't even think about what you're able to achieve. But that doesn't mean that it's not possible. You just have to take small steps towards that thing, and all of a sudden, you're going to be doing it, and you're going to be like, "Hey, wait! I used to think this was impossible, and I, I this is happening right now." And so that's hopefully what I am going to instill in people is that i'm no different than anyone else it you just you have the ability to prove to yourself that these things are possible just by starting today to move towards those things because a year from now you're going to wish you started today and it's and and it's not as hard as you think right it's just first things first write it down write your list because these things aren't real they're thoughts but once you write them down they actually go from something that's intangible to tangible and that actually builds some accountability and helps you move towards them. Then you have a reminder that they exist too. So as you get buried by the day to day, you know, you come back to your list and you're like, oh, this is the direction that I know I wanna go. These are the things that are important to me. These are the things I won't regret on my deathbed. And you know, I talk about big list items and goals, but no big goal is greater than any small goal, right? Like when you think about a bucket list, I used to think adventure travel. I used to think skydive, travel to Europe. And and adventure and travel is one of 10 categories of your life. So if you want your list to reflect all the things that are important to you that you won't regret on your deathbed, you wanna write your adventure travel goals, but you also wanna write your physical health goals, your mental health goals, your relationship goals, your uh, financial goals, your giving goals. How do you wanna make an impact? Your material goals your creative goals. So that's why I I made this journal, so you can write your list in those 10 categories and start to actually build that accountability because the accountability piece through the research is is one of the reasons why we don't do these. That's why we push them because there's no deadlines for these goals. So we're continually saying, ah, you know what? I gotta get this work thing done. Let's push this till next next week. Or this popped up, it's more important. We gotta push it to next year, guys. And 76% of people, they continue to push those things until they realize they're out of time. And, and, th- and that's why the biggest regret that people have on their deathbed is, I wish I would have lived for me, right? So they don't regret things that they did. They regret things that they didn't do. And that's... Yeah, where does that come from? I mean, I so, guess yeah. it makes sense.
1: This thought of, you make it to the end of life and, and you look back and you think, I'm glad, I, I guess you, you're more regretful for what you did not do. Mm-hmm. Relative to happy for what you did do, is that does the do humans just look at what they missed out on, or is that do we live these big lives of not doing the things we really want to do? I
2: think it's the latter. We be, we live these big lives of not doing the things we really want to do, not even consciously though. I don't think it's necessarily like we know the story of like oh my dad wanted me to, meet a, to be a doctor and I really wanted to be a musician yeah. and uh, but I, I I I I became a doctor and now I regret you know, but. I don't. Even, I, I think that it's subconscious that we we see what other people do, we see what society values as success or celebrates as success, we and we subconsciously follow that path. And so, so this is from two places. There's research from Cornell and this psychologist Tom Gilovich who did a study called "The Ideal Road Not Taken," which is published in the Psychology Journal of Emotion. Which and he interviewed people on their deathbed, and he, he found that. People regret their inactions versus actions. And the number one regret is not living my ideal self. So what that means is not living a life for me, living for what I thought I should do or what other people wanted for me. And that was 76% of people he asked on their deathbed, he asked them, what's your number one regret in your entire life? Three quarters of the people he asked said that. So so that's the biggest regret people have at the end of their life. Um, also um
1: you know ben hold on this is another thought here as i as our audience is kind of thinking through this and it's almost as though these items on your list are just all this is your verbiage i think is radical they're possibilities Mm -hmm. they're possibilities all these things are possible to do and you have to almost think a little bit it's almost as though we need to be more creative around what might even be possible to do and mm-hmm. then we write it down and then we have this accountability and this has really been a movement now for you. How many, has been over a decade of you doing this or more than that. No, 2006. It's been yeah, like
2: 15 years. Almost
1: it's in 15 plus years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It has been Unex- you know, an unexpected road. And I, you know, after, so we, we had actually, one of the things was to make a TV show. So we did a show with MTV that brought us down to the States. And, from there, so you were in
1: Canada, Ben, when you did the show with MTV. Or no, we were you in, started we, it
2: when you started Buried Life. We were in Canada when we started Buried Life, 2006 yep. to 2009. We would do it. We'd self fund it. You know, we were filming this documentary. We would do it every summer, and then we ended up cutting our own pilot. And I met someone that knew someone in LA, and so I flew down and started to understand the business of the entertainment business and figuring out what we needed to do to sell a show. And we ended up. Being able to sell the show as executive producer so that we could maintain the control and IP and be able to like make the show that we thought our friends would think would be cool and inspiring. And so that was a completely, you know, new beast for us, <laughs> uh, creating a, a network television show. And and from there after that, that's when we we wrote the book, uh, What Do You Wanna Do Before You Die? And and we, and but my this sort of next phase for me, which has been uh, very unexpected was I, a couple of years later, I did a TEDx talk. Just, I think it's called Six Steps to Crossing Anything Off Your Bucket List. And then uh, two years later, someone invited me to speak at a conference. And from there, I got invited to more. And then, so now I, I've been re-inspired by this idea and figuring out, like, once I read this research about 76% of people regretting their biggest regret being that they didn't live for them. And I started to think, like, what a... A terrible feeling on your deathbed to feel like you, you, you blew it, and you're out of time. Like I, I can't even imagine how devastating that would be. And that's three quarters of the population. Like, why, how is this happening? And, and then I thought, well, like, why is it then that, like, when you almost die, then things fall. And you, you get this perspective. Or why is it when your, 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 your mom or your, your, your partner passes away that you hear like oh everything changed after that now i knew what was important does that happen by the way or is that fleeting ben does I, that happen i, is it, I think i is think it? i think it's fleeting but it does you do have this moment but i think that it's fleeting because the poem written 150 years ago was written 150 years ago for a reason because life has a way of starting to bury these things that are that are important to you and so what we need to do is we need to create accountability We need to create inspiration by taking action, not waiting to feel inspired. And the biggest is we need to move through fear. So these are the three barriers that the psychologist from Cornell identified as the top three things stopping people from living true to themselves. And so for me, I started to realize, well, a bucket list, that's actually a very, uh, it's, it's kind of an elegant way to identify what these things are. And also it's a good way to start because it's so easy. Like writing your goals, it seems small but it's very powerful. And I started to realize like why do so many people not do these things? And it's and it's actually not as hard as it looks. And so I looked at the science of goal of achieving goals and the research behind the science of goals achievement and it's really simple things. And so a lot of those things are inherent in writing your list. And so that's why you want to write down your goals and you want to write down your goals in a place that you you keep so that you can revisit them and you can update those goals as you grow and you wanna share your goals. You know, most people don't share their list and their personal dreams.
1: Okay, so this is kind of this public versus private. Like, do you wanna make them known to the world? You guys started out very public. Very public. (laughs) You guys were like, very public. Talk about accountability. Oh, we would would
2: drive up to radio stations in our crappy RV and just park in the parking lot until they put us on air because they wanted us to leave. And we would share our list and say, hey, can anyone help? And what is your dream? Send it to us. And, and by doing that, it it, it it works. Think about this. Accountability, it, it it absolutely works. That's why we have all these accountability structures in the workplace. Leaders keep us accountable. A salary keeps us accountable. We don't want to let down our team. That keeps us accountable. We don't want to look bad. That keeps us accountable. We can create those same accountability structures around our personal goals, by writing down our goals, by sharing them with with other people, because then if I tell you right now, Wes, my biggest goal, I'm going to write a book this year, and I run into you in a couple months, and you say, Ben, how's, how's the, the book, book coming? Man, yeah, and I'll say, Great, and they'll think I better start writing that book. Yeah, <laughs> and so oh when-
1: shit, I haven't even started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: but so you- I have a good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you start, you feel accountable to the people you shared. And then if you wanna increase your chances by 77%, you send regular updates. I I would send you regular updates or you would would be my accountability partner. I'd say, Wes, I'm gonna write a book. You're gonna be my accountability partner. I don't want you to check in on me once a week. Even better, I'm gonna send you an update at the end of every week of my progress, right? So that's, how can we create that accountability? Maybe it's me blocking out my calendar. Two two hours every Friday afternoon. This is my book writing time. This is my time where I hang out with my son. This is my time where I go to violin practice. This is my time when I go to improv. This is my time when I volunteer at the thing that is important to me. Whatever that is, you need to protect that time. First, you need to figure out what the thing is, and then you need to build accountability and protect time to do that thing. Just like you would protect time for a very important meeting. Or for something else you aren't going to miss, and by sharing that, you that helps because then you tell when you tell your colleagues, when you tell your family, hey, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna perform a, a a show, comedy show, you know, in a year, but I, I, I I'm gonna go to improv every Friday at four, and then it's a busy day at work, and four rolls around, and someone's like, hey, you got to go to improv. Don't worry, I got you, because they know this is important to you. They they so. You know, not all people are going to be supportive, but that's the piece of like surrounding yourself with people that inspire you. They support you to to do the things that they that, that you really, truly want to do. And so that's the accountability piece, which is big. But the other piece is, is fear. And that's what stops most people.
1: Is it that we're just not as creative on what we should or we could even, have we un, not unlocked our minds of what we could do? I don't know if I'd ever even, what a great idea to have a beer with Prince Harry. I don't know. I, it spurs my creativity on, on my, I guess, my bucket list, which I've never written before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what about fear? Are we also just afraid to do a comedy show in a year? Are we afraid to write a book? Are we afraid to track down Oprah?
2: Yeah, we're afraid to fail. And we're afraid of what other people think. Um, which we think will go away. Like we'll think we'll be ready. And all of a sudden we won't have the fear of standing up on stage and public speaking or we won't have the fear of doing the concert or you know we won't have that fear of what other people think but as as you, as you know as 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 I know and as we all know deep down these are human fears that don't go away but what but what does happen is you can get comfortable with being uncomfortable because you know that you're growing and that by doing these things and pursuing them, you're going to be vulnerable, and that's good because that means you're pushing yourself to grow, and you're going to learn something at the very least. Even if you fall fl- flat on your face, at least you're going to learn something about yourself. And so, this fear of of, of failure is and is like a tax you have to pay to achieve your goals. You just have to you just have mm. to pay it. And so, mm-hmm. but I think it's also fun to think about the fear of what other people think. Because when it comes to the fear of what other people think about you, you know, I mean, I, I hate to break this to you, but I just, I just don't think people are thinking about you as much as you think they are. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point, Ben. Is that, <laughs> and I think too, and it's maybe even easier when you're in the media. I think it's even easier to 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 understand that because when you're in the media, you can. You could do everything in the world and have this audience and there's still so many people that still don't know you and they still don't think about you and they really don't care because what they really care about is what they're living with. So talk about that for me. I just I think it's an important point to tell people that, look, people do not care if you fail because they're thinking about other things.
2: Is that true? I mean, I, I believe so. I mean, think about how much you think about other people and what they do. You know, you're, you're too busy you're too busy worried about what other people are thinking about you. (laughs) You know, you're too busy living your life. You're too busy. You know, it's just, you're, you're not that important. Um, Which is good, you know, and I think that also if, and of course, if they do think about you, and, and, and they do have this, this thought of like, oh, man, what a loser. That guy tried that thing and, and failed. What a loser you probably don't want to be around that person anyway. So it's a good way to actually weed out the people that you don't want to surround yourself with. But you know, when I think back to high school and like putting all that pressure on myself and missing that kick, you know, and it's final game and how devastating that was. So that me. was
1: a very public thing for
2: you. That was, like, that that was, was a, huge, a that was yeah, a huge public thing. And I think about how much that scarred me and, and that was trauma. I mean, like, you know, trauma comes from anything, you know? And, and for me, that was it. That was the, I cared so much about being cool and and having people like me that that for me nothing could be worse than publicly you know messing up like that and letting everyone down and this was like you know in in where i grew up that's like football in the south it's everything right like Mm -hmm. rugby is a big thing and and now i look back i'm like who cares like nobody it's that was a that was made up you know like the it you know at that point That was the biggest thing and now i i I, I don't even think about it um and i think about the other things i worried about when i was younger and i don't i can't i I can't even remember those things that would keep me up at night and so i think like that's why using death to put things in perspective is good it's like okay i'm worried about this thing is this something that i'm going to be worried about and 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 think about in five years you know or, or or on my deathbed is that, is that really something that's going to keep me up at night then?
1: What makes a good list and what is the mindset you want to get yourself in? And do you still say the, imagine if you had $10 million in the bank?
2: Yeah, I still, I still do. I still, I still think it's a good place to start from a, 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 a belief that anything is, is possible. And I, and I really maybe
1: don't, some inflation. You might want to bump that to fifteen. Yes,
2: <laughs> exactly. A hundred. See how it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's bump that up to hundred <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and nine. Yeah. And 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 also, I think even before that, you just want to slow slow down and be quiet and to, to give yourself space to think about what's important to you, and that's key too because you may be writing things that you think you should do but not necessarily what you truly want to do and that takes a little bit of reflection so you you find some quiet time you get a piece of paper or you get a journal or you know that that's that's why i keep talking about this bucket list journal because i think it's a it's a good framework but you want to write down
1: have you finished this project yet or is this already
2: out or not yet yeah this is out
1: it's called the bucket list journal
2: yeah the bucket list journal yep And so the bucket list journal starts with first writing your list in 10 categories of your life. So then I think it's, I think it's more less daunting to, to think about these 10 categories versus like, what are all the things I want to do?
1: So, okay. So this is where you go to like travel, travel and
2: adventure mental. Exactly. So, you know, where have you dreamed of going? What is experience that you absolutely would love to do? So those, I think, are easier for us to think about. You know, go to the Great Wall of China, see my favorite band, you know, go skydiving, those types of things. But then um, physical health is also one. Is there something that's holding you back physically? Do you you have an ailment that you want to heal or you want to achieve something like a marathon or maybe it's like go for a walk three times a week? So there's also in the bucket list journal is, is the do's and don'ts of writing your list. So you want to make sure that your list is actionable so that you know when you cross it off. So you don't wanna say prioritize love or get in shape or travel more. You wanna say, go on one new date per month, run five miles twice per week, visit three countries this year so that you know when you've done it and it's you can cross it off and it's, um, it's specific, right? So anyway, let's go through these 10 categories just so we have an idea. You can- Yeah, I wanna hear these. So if you, we'll, we'll put this website on because um, bucketlistjournal.co, there's the 10 categories. So you can go look at them. But it's physical health goals, material goals. So that's like you can, you know, it's okay to have material goals. Buy the sailboat, you know, get the skis you want. Surprise your kids with a new car. Creativity. I think this is a, a really fun, interesting category because I think we overlook Creativity as a is kind of a pillar of, of wellness because when you express your creativity, you're being that true version of yourself. You're letting that inner child out, that play. That's where you feel in flow state. So you're playing music, you're you're doing some art, you're doing so photography, you know, I think that these are good things to think about. Um, start your YouTube. By the way, show. what is
1: that for you? Is that film? Is that film for you? Is that your creative most creative outlet or writing? Yeah. Or what is that yeah, for you?
2: Exactly. Film and and writing and uh and 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 sport i got into tennis it's not a creative but i do that is when i feel in in a flow state is is playing playing tennis so professional category of life financial Mm -hmm. intellectual what do you want to learn mental health we talked about that at the beginning of the podcast so these are all things that are going to bring you a sense of well-being lower your stress it could be telling someone- By the hey. way, Ben,
1: did that ever come back for you? I mean, you went through a tough period of time. I, I can, did that ever revisit? Yeah. Or did a, did this project and this life kind of
2: set you free from that? No, it'd be nice if it did. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh-huh. I, 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 so I have experienced a few bouts of depression since that first one. Each one has been less intense um, because as I said, like I've learned things- I now know myself a little better. I can see the signs coming. I have a tendency to overwork myself and I, and I, and now I can see that train coming and I know like I better get my sleep. I better take some time off. I better just go hang out with friends and do some, go surfing or, and I have a support network. You know, I have a great therapist that I talk to. Um, I can, there's friends that I know I can call at any time and they'll be there for me. You know, there's so, and I also built up like a toolkit of habits that, I know are good for me. So like, I think we should all have our own kind of mental health toolkit, which are things, habits that we know work for us so that we can just use them. You know, there's, could be exercise, could be mindfulness, could be helping someone else, could be nature, could be connecting. These are all things that I think we should all have. So yeah, so that's, that's that's the eighth category is mental health. The ninth is relationships which is one of the top five regrets of the dying is I wish I would have stayed in contact with old friends. That's a, mm. that's a pretty big one that is yeah. not really as, as difficult as, as you would think, right? Like,
1: yeah, it's really not, especially the world, Yeah. Not in the world we live in today. It's not at all. Yeah. So, but again, but again, maybe, maybe it is because of our time and and that goes back to how much do we, it's about prioritization or accountability. Do you really want to put it on your list or not?
2: Right. Exactly. Well, I think it's this is the it comes back to the people you surround yourself with, right? What relationships yeah. do you want to invest in because you have to invest in any relationship or it'll go away. So, who are those people in your life that you feel like encourage you to be the person you know you want to be? And that is such a powerful thing that I think I was lucky to stumble into and I still do that to this day, which is being intentional about the people I surround myself with because what they do, like so by doing what you love, you inspire other people to do what they love. So yeah. people think that it's selfish to have a bucket list or to be doing the things that are important to them, but it's actually service because you're inspiring others to do the same. So I used to think a bucket list was selfish until I started to see hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people around the world going after their list just because we went after ours. For instance, I'm sure many people have come up to you and said, Wes. You know what you do is inspiring, inspiring. You've inspired me to do this. Or you inspired me to think about that. So by you following your true course, you've inspired others to follow their true course, and that is a massive ripple effect that's created. And I actually think I don't want to be cheesy about this, but if more people did what they love, the world would be a much better place.
1: As I think this through, you know, two things that to me are little hurdles to do this. Yeah. One, Some of these are, do I really want, do I just want to do this for a reason that doesn't have enough weight to it? Mm -hmm. Or should I do this? How do I avoid putting frivolous bucket list items, if you will, versus powerful bucket list items? And then, so I wanna ask you that. And then the second thing I don't wanna forget to ask is that what is too much? Like what is too big of an item? Like if you say I want to do this, like wait, whoa, 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 like that's not a bucket list. That's wait, that's that's you've gone too far now, Wes. You've gone
2: too far, ben, that's Wes. Overly ambitious. Yeah, uh, gone too far. Okay, let's do that question first. Okay, what is too much? What is too big? You've gone too far, Wes. I, I don't think that if it is something that you truly, truly want, I don't think there is a too much or too far. So that comes back to your first question is how do you figure out what those things are and that is a I don't think there's a silver bullet for that I think it takes time and quiet time I also think it probably takes time talking about it with people that you care about Uh, it's a great exercise to do a bucket list with your partner or do it with your family because it opens up this conversation about what is really important to us what do we actually want to achieve and not just go through the day-to-day and what are we what are we aiming towards you know taking out, you want to take off your own restrictions, but you also want to take out, out the restrictions of the list so that it can be anything, so that Climb Everest is just as important or less it could be less important to you than spending one afternoon a week on your own so that you can just go out and, and be in nature. That's the key, is and that's also the, the, the hard part is figuring out what those things are for you that are going to bring you that sense of fulfillment and I think one way that I found to be helpful to identify what those things are is consulting my future self. So consulting my 90 year old self. And so if I'm at a crossroads mm. thinking, should I do this? I ask my 90 year old self, will I regret not doing this? Cause I'm just trying to not have those regrets. And if my 90 year old self is like, yep, yeah, you might regret this. Then I'd like to try. And so not a perfect answer, but that's my answer.
1: No, I think that those are two different ways to look at it. One, this true test is that, is it really a true love?
2: Yeah. True love is a good word.
1: And two, spending some time to talk it out and actually think about it and not just frivolously like, okay, do a five minute bucket. It's not like a five minute thing. And then for the more complicated ones, and I'm, I'm just thinking about the bigger complicated ones that are hitting my head here as we talk. I think that the final analysis there is that question on the 90 year old self. Yeah. Right. And you look back to say what well, that I really wish I would have done. Tried. That. And that is not an answer you can say today at 30 necessarily or 40 or 50, the perspective of I'm 90 and I'm about to die. It does feel like some real perspective to be able to answer that question.
2: Yeah. And I think too, it's the, you know, the key is as your 90 year old self, I wish I would have tried to do that because it's not necessarily about the outcome. It's about trying to do it because it was something that you truly wanted to do and you went for it. And then, you know, you know what? I didn't do it, but I tried and I did. And I, and I I put everything that I, that I could towards that, you know, And, and then there's a whole, the next section is like, okay, how do you achieve those things and 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 make those big things happen and and that's that's a a different that's a whole different thing but i th- i i think when you distill it down it's about not having the regret that you didn't even go for it
1: okay so that is a really important point you do not have to get to the top of everest you don't have to get there but you can have tried dramatically right it's like it was a blizzard and there was another, <laughs> mm-hmm. but to your point, and maybe that's a bad example because you could eventually get to the top. But your point is, as long as you're trying to do something like this, you can at least fulfill that position on your bucket list. And I like that. Yeah.
2: And I think, and then I think even the deeper meaning behind that is that you are being true to yourself because this is something that you truly wanted to do and you are in alignment with that and you are living your ideal self not your ought self. And the ought self is what... Ought self, what is... Yeah, what so is the that? the ought self is what I ought to do. Yeah. So yeah. that's what the psychologist Gilovich, that's how he defined the ideal self versus the ought self. And so I think that when we are living our ideal selves, we are the truest version of ourselves and, and therefore we are happier. We live this, a, a bit more of a fulfilled life. I, I think that's why money doesn't necessarily bring that exponential happiness because you're making exponentially more money you know after i don't i forget what the number is but after you know x thousands of dollars you double that you double that again it's incremental increase in happiness like point of a percent and so i think it's it's coming back to and you, we all have friends that like you know are just super happy and don't have a lot but they just they seem to just do the things that they want to do, and they, they're, they're, they're happy people.
1: You're exactly right. I call that, I've done a lot of money happiness research, the plateau effect, which is essentially diminishing marginal happiness. Yes. Is what it is, per new dollar, right? It's like the first few dollars really do help because you got to at least be able to have a house.
2: Right? Yeah, you, you need the, 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 those basic needs, you know? Resources. And right. you want to have the and freedom. Then, and then
1: it becomes diminishing, yeah. And then
2: it becomes, at the, some point, yeah. a burden, sometimes.
1: It can be. It can be. Um, If you're stuck, what is a small step forward? Because when I first started reading about you, I thought, oh, bucket list. Oh, I can put down, you know, like a hundred things. Oh, and then the more I've thought about it, it feels like there's more to it than just like a list of fun shit I want to do. Like it's a, there's some thought that
2: needs to go into it. So how do I at least start that today? Well, I think you start by first writing down anything you think could be on your list. So just starting by, if anything were possible, it's a blank canvas, what would you do? Write those down. Then if you're having trouble thinking about more things, go to those 10 categories of life and fill in that list more with those prompts or the, those those other categories. And then what you could do, if you wanted to sort of identify what one of the most important things on your list is, you can imagine that you come across a, a magic lamp and you rub the magic lamp and a genie, Pops out and genie says, congratulations, I'm a genie. That means I'm going to grant one wish on your list. But by me helping you do that one thing, you can never do anything else on your list. So what do you choose? What's this one thing that's so important that you, you, you're, you're not going to do anything else? And, and so that is one way to identify the most important thing on your list. And so now you're like, okay, this is really, really important to me. What are three things I can do within 48 hours? What are three 48-hour action items? Simple, small things. One could be calling someone asking for help. You know, we, we, a lot of times we don't ask for help because of the fear. So it could be any number of things, right? But what are three things that you can do? And because inspiration is a, is, is a momentum game, it, it's you're, you're the architect of your own inspiration by taking action, so sometimes we over plan and we plan, we plan, we're waiting for that right time, but we forget that action is a plan. So mm-hmm. yeah, you is. don't need to know how you're going to achieve the goal. You just need to start with that first step and you'll figure out the second step after the first. And so that is why you break it down into very small, simple steps like a work project. And so, yeah, so I think writing it down and then sharing it and then building those accountability structures that I talked about.
1: If you were to do this, and you're a pretty young guy, so you probably hadn't thought about retirement maybe just yet. But this is the Retire Sooner podcast. So if you, but your advice is so applicable. What would you give advice to somebody who is going into the non work mode
2: in, into retirement? Oh, per, I mean, the best time to start your list. I mean, I think that it's a difficult, from what I've heard, it's a difficult transition for some people to lose that huge driving purpose, which is your work that has been giving you that sense of fulfillment for the last 50 years. And so what else will give you that purpose? And I think, I, I actually, um, I spent some time speaking to retirement communities, not just residents, but also leadership at the communities and talking about this idea that we, we, we really talk about how the mainstream narrative is the youth are gonna change the world. And I actually think it's the opposite. I think it's the retirees that that have the real power to change the world because they have the knowledge. They have the disposable income. They have the network. You know, they have the mind that they've, you know, been in business for X number of years or and now they have the time. And so to think that like, as you retire, that's it is the opposite of what we should be talking about. It should be about now is your opportunity to make a real impact and through my experience because we've done something on our list and we helped someone else and we achieve these big list items but we helped other people it's the moments when we shared someone else's experience with them that meant so much to them that i guarantee i will remember on my deathbed and so i think it's it's thinking about what are those things in the giving category of life which is your legacy that you start to think about as well
1: Ben, last question. You had said you had four out of the hundred left on that original hundred. How many new bucket list items do you do a year? And how many do you have? Like, what's it, well, give me a recent bucket list item. I would suspect you keep adding to the yeah. list, right?
2: Yeah, and I, and, I, and... Everyone should, you know, because you're growing, you're changing, and your your goals are changing. And so, you know, the things on the original list I definitely wouldn't want to do anymore. I don't want to streak a field and try and get away. I don't <laughs> want to try and ask out Megan Fox anymore. I don't want to, you know, survive on a deserted Did island. Did you do that? Is that on the list? It was. I tried to. Is that on the I, list? I tried to. I failed actually quite on my face, pretty badly, actually. I, I had her, I snuck onto the red carpet at the Transformers premiere with a microphone pretending i was a reporter and i had her in front of me and then her publicist just pulled her away as as i was about to so i sort of blew the moment but my friend duncan who is one of the other guys the next year he his it was ask out the girl your dreams was the list item and so he actually was able to learn from my mistakes and he asked out taylor swift and actually went on a date with her once or twice and he we stuck him into the cmt awards and got him in and he got in front of her and so anyhow I, once or twice that means that was like a real thing. i think it was, so like, it was like, a like a real yeah no it definitely was a real that's legit it, was, it, it happened yeah. it happened so more than i can say from my efforts but point is are you, like are you tried? i i exactly and also that was something that my younger self wanted to do and i don't you know I, I i don't want to do that anymore but um there's new things that i want to do and you know writing the bucklist journal was one of them i'd like to do more thing i go to space is is on the list so i'm working with a company called worldview that's sending people to space in these capsules that go up slowly with a big helium balloon and you know i was speaking at the at south by southwest about the democratization of space travel because now more and more companies are popping up at lower price points and the point is like i want to experience the overview effect which is well you don't have 20 million bucks to go to space for 10 yeah. minutes <laughs> not with inflation <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and 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 to experience that that like looking at the Earth and and you know astronauts talk about that changing your perspective, which again can be like a moment of of clarity.
1: Shoot, I think you just may have talked me into
2: that one because I've always I've
1: actually poo pooed. I, I was I think not long ago I made fun and this is mostly out of jealousy. <laughs> made fun of uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, maybe like a year ago when he did Blue Origin. I'm like these guys are so bored. They got nothing left to do. Now they got to spend twenty million dollars to go to space. But it is interesting, though, that you say that the perspective, the thought of seeing the whole world is actually really the entire mm-hmm. as if you could just put it in your hand. It is like a, that is kind of cool. I can see I can see that. What is the most fun thing you're doing right now? Uh, I know that you got bucket list journal yeah. that, that's out. What's the most fun thing you're doing right now? You, obviously, the show. But how often of the year are you doing that?
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm spending most of my time uh, speaking because because I love to I actually love it, you know, talking to bunch of people about this idea and getting them, seeing them turn in the audience, you know, and, and, and experiencing that in person, um, is something that I really enjoy. And so, you know, I speak, I don't know, a hundred times, 120 times a year. <laughs> um, Ooh, yeah, so that's a, that's a lot, man. Okay. That's my full-time focus really. Um, but it was sort of by accident, but, and then one of the things on my list is now to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> But
1: but what about Buried Life, though? How much time of the year is that?
2: Yeah, so I mean, so it's just it's evolved so much over the past 15 years. And even all of us have evolved so much that we've and I think we've done a good job of allowing everyone to kind of follow their their path. So Dave, one of the guys, he runs our production company that we started. Uh, Johnny wanted to go do his uh, finish his He finished his master's. Then he did his Ph.D. at Cambridge. So he that was his path. And then Duncan does a ton of writing, and so everyone is doing their own thing, and we're all kind of also working towards finishing this this documentary film. Oh, so that what is when do you think that is going to be out into the world? I think after the space thing happens in twenty twenty four.
1: Okay, so you're you're doing space twenty twenty four, and then yeah. and then or twenty twenty three, and then you think movie in twenty twenty four
2: yeah space will happen in 2024 The 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 worldview flights but
1: maybe sooner okay
2: yeah i'll keep you posted
1: all right man you're very very cool to be here wish you very much continued success with all your projects with bucket list journal with speaking and um we're good to go man awesome thanks buddy
0: information.